0: Then Aaron Rodgers just continues to do other homeopathic sh- sorry stuff. Uh, that was at 1901. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I am here with my co-host Walker Kelly. I didn't come up with a new ranking name for you, the uh, Lord of Ranks. What's How's me? that, Lord of
0: Ranks? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, Lord Lord Rankington of uh, Darby. <laughs> uh,
1: every every city in in um. The U.K. I know none of them are named this, but all I can think of is they're all named Moons over Miami. <laughs> That's like what all their names are.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, Stoke on Trent. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but this yeah, it sounds like just,
0: a it sounds like a breakfast item or something.
1: Yeah, they're all Moons over Miami or Worcestershire. Yeah. those are the two two, two city names. In, yeah, you in either, a,
0: it's either hyphenated like four times or it's just a. Fifteen letter long word that's actually one syllable. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's like, no, that's Wooster. It's like, no, there are way too many letters there for that. It's to actually be not,
0: dude. <laughs> yeah. You're you're definitely wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh so um this is our weekly ranking show. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh this is scheduled to go up on Thursday morning. So this week has been all breaking news. So if we miss something, uh we apologize. Um, but we are immunized against uh any criticism we're That's not right. vaccinated yeah. we're just immunized
0: yeah, whatever that means
1: <laughs> well they found they got details uh aaron Rodgers got some like weird homeopathic cocktail to like raise his antibodies
0: yeah and they're like he went to canada for it
1: oh, god and they like submitted it to the nfl they're like is he vaccinated they're like no just put the shot in your arm dude yeah like, they're basically,
0: <laughs> yeah they're basically the whole thing was they said a long back and forth so basically it was like Aaron Rodgers sends them this thing that he did, and the NFL's like, that's not the vaccine. And <laughs> then Aaron Rodgers just continues to do other homeopathic sh- <phone rings> Sorry, stuff. Uh, that was at
1: 1901. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. All right. Yeah, Aaron,
0: that- Rodger- Aaron Rodgers continues to do different homeopathic stuff and send it back to the nfl and the nfl comes back like that's still not the vaccine dude
1: yeah they're they're like get a shot and he's like what if i eat lots of cheerios they're like what are you even talking about at it's this like, point uh <laughs> did you just look if, around your kitchen and see a box of cheerios is that what, what if, happened here aaron
0: what if i what if i used this vegan deodorant as a suppository <laughs> and
1: they're like uh well why don't you give it a shot um, so, all right, let's talk about uh, your weekly ranks, Walker. These went up on Tuesday. They will get updated on Thursday with all of the Odell Thanks. Beckham just, like, disappearing.
0: He quit He quit the Browns. Yeah,
1: and, and Aaron Rodgers' this whole thing, and then now Saquon Barkley has COVID, but I don't think you—oh, you did have Saquon at nine. So it's a whole mess of ranks that, like, as soon as Walker published, they're like, okay, now we're just going to shuffle everything around.
0: So, yeah, this is, this is why I update them on Thursday, and sometimes I even tinker with them on Friday and Saturday just in case like a bunch of weird things happen, which they yeah. have been happening the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, it's been like the last week, week and a half has just been chaos with just like random things because normally it's like the weirdest thing that'll happen is like, um, um, you know, back before we knew he was bad, that time that it was, like, Wednesday, and then it's like, oh, Deshaun Watson's out for the year because he tore his ACL at practice. Like, that used yeah. to be the weirdest thing that happened. And now it's like, you know, Henry Ruggs and Calvin Ridley and Aaron Rodgers.
0: And, <laughs> yeah, one, and one, one player uh, is taking a extended leave of absence and maybe retiring at some point because they're not good mentally, which I respect that, but it's still... It's odd. it's odd. It's different. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's,
1: it's I, I hate to put all those in the same bucket because I mean, I applaud Calvin Ridley and I want to redacted um, Henry Ruggs and. Um, yeah,
0: Henry Henry Ruggs pulling a Dante Stallworth.
1: Yeah, it, but it's just like so many. It's just so many weird things are happening. So yeah, I don't know. That is, it, who knows? All right, so let's get started on the rank. So. Uh, if you want to pause and follow along with what we're talking about um, at home, you can go to footballabsurdity.com. There's a button in the top left corner that says Weekly Ranks, and then you click that and it takes you to Walker's Weekly Ranks. And the little guy hanging off the end this week is Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> I just love seeing I love seeing Walker's number 25 tight end just stick off the bottom of the, of the spreadsheet there to see who it is, Mercedes Lewis. So um, let's start with the quarterbacks, Walker. And I think first things first, right now you have Aaron Rodgers- Sixth, And mm. I think the big question is going to be, obviously everybody moves up a spot, but where does Jordan love slot in? Does he even fit into your top 25? Uh,
0: I mean, I certainly don't trust Jordan love, mm-hmm. but why
1: wouldn't you trust the guy in his first career start where everybody, all they ever talk about is how bad he is.
0: That's why. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, Oh man, I don't know if I would put him in here at all. I mean, I, I
1: I can't find a guy that I would trust Jordan Love over on this list. Yeah,
0: I mean, I would move everybody up one, and then I guess maybe Garoppolo goes in at 25.
1: Uh, Garoppolo going up against the uh, the Cardinals. I've, I mean,
0: no, I know, I know, but like, <laughs> I mean, who else? My other options are, uh, I mean, let me go through it real quick. No, 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 no. They're on bye. Um. I have Ryan in here. Uh, yeah, you've only got Sam, 28 Sam, quarterbacks to choose from. Yeah, Sam Darnold. So the guys that aren't on here are obviously outside of those 24. You've got Love. Sam Darnold against the Patriots. Nope. Garoppolo against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lawrence against uh, whoever they're playing, right? or are they not uh, playing
1: they are playing i wrote one of the sleepers was. yeah sleeper, yeah La- sleeper lawrence
0: sleeper. against buffalo
1: but not going to do that
0: yeah so i it's either love because of I, he might run a little bit yes. and kansas city is bad on defense or garoppolo because it's a run a little bit yeah i get yeah garoppolo the <laughs> two rushing touchdowns right. um yeah, I'll probably just bump everybody up one and put Garoppolo at 25, but that's not an endorsement of James Garoppolo. Please don't do that. Yes,
1: considering I am a 49ers fan, I own a handsome James jersey, and I and Walker said Jimmy Garoppolo, and I went. Eh.
0: Yeah, <laughs> immediately like, oh, I don't know about that one. That
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a it's it's a rough week out there if you are an Aaron Rodgers manager in a two quarterback league. You're pretty much boned, I think. Um yeah. There's there's not a lot out there for you to, to to do. So, um I think the uh first thing we'll do is talk about the after that is the Aaron Rodgers thing is the two quarterbacks in this Thursday night football game. Uh we've got Carson Wentz, we've got Mike White. Carson Wentz is 15, Mike White is 20. Neither one of these guys are starters and I'm really interested to hear cuz Carson Wentz is on as much of a role as Carson Wentz can be on. Um you are trusting uh, ahead of him Tyrod Taylor, uh, Kirk Cousins in a rough matchup, and um, Ryan Tannehill in a rough matchup. I'm curious what has uh, Carson Wentz at 15.
0: Um, He didn't look very good last week. He went in a bad Carson, um, making a lot of rough decisions late in the game. The Jets are actually pretty good against receivers, and a lot of the issues they've had with quarterbacks can be summed up with their linebackers can't really do a whole lot, and they kind of let quarterbacks run all over them mm-hmm. when they face running quarterbacks. And because they're terrible against running backs and just running in general, they can't stop the run whatsoever. But Wentz isn't really going to do that. Um, and they don't have a lot of weapons in the passing game to attack them. It's basically Michael Pittman and then a bunch of like replacement level guys. Mm-hmm. So... Pittman's going to get double coverage. He's going to get whoever their number one corner is right now. And then uh, Marcus May is going to be bracket coverage over the top. Um, I just think that the Jets, and especially in a Thursday night game, I feel like the Jets have the ability to make Tannehill, or Tannehill, make Wentz's life a little bit tougher than maybe some people think. And I just don't think Carson Wentz is. I, I, I he's fine. He, you know, he, he does good. He does some good things. He does some bad things. He's, he's white Jamis.
1: <laughs> white Jamis. All right. Um. So you're not trusting Mike white. You don't think that the um, Colts are just going to let him dump the ball off and let running backs and wide receivers just run wild all over the field. Like what happened um, against Cincy. Uh,
0: I mean, I think that they might do that to a point, but um I don't expect Mike White to uh throw for 400 yards three touchdowns and catch a two-point conversion again um he threw basically nothing downfield since he played in prevent defense basically all game for no apparent reason yeah um white still white threw six incomplete passes and two of them were picks so when he misses it's still bad like this guy' is not he's not good like Mike white is not good Um, he's better than I thought he was because I thought he was going to be like heinous. I thought he was going to be like Peterman level. So he's better than that. But I mean, the only reason I have him even at 20 is because it's a good matchup with Indy. But no, I mean, I, I, Mike White isn't going to be able to throw down the field. That's where you beat Indy. I mean, and they don't really have a dominant receiver. Like Jameson Crowder will get a decent day because he'll have a million catches Michael Carter is going to have ridiculous volume. It's not a good matchup for New York on the ground, so they're not going to be able to run the ball at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Carter will probably get at least six or seven targets. Ty Johnson will get some work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Outside of that, you're like, oh, what are they going to do? I mean, they're not going to have Corey Davis. Um, it's it's just not, it's not good. I mean, the... I just, I don't, I think it was a one week wonder type of thing. Everything went right, and I would expect him to be a serviceable two QB option and nothing more.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I have him in Scott Fishbowl as a bi week replacement, and even then, I'm iffy on it because I have Tom Brady, and I'm just like, all right, well, let's see what happens.
0: Yeah. You know? I mean, I think it's a fine play in SFB because his completion percentage should be pretty high because he won't mm-hmm. try anything down the field.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, what you're seeing with Mike White is um, somebody who is actually understand. <laughs> Sorry, the people at home can't see, but Walker's camera just like tilted up. <laughs> so it was, it was it was just very funny. He just disappeared off screen. I, uh, uh,
0: I had to scratch my balls.
1: All right. There you go. Um, It's the Kyle Shanahan offense, but it's like Mike White is actually understanding how it works, which is it's a lot of dump offs. It's a lot of like, hey, I'm going to let you do the hard part. Um, A lot of guys getting horizontal, which worked last week, but I don't think it's going to work this week because this is from um, Dave Richard, uh, Dave Richard uh, of CBS. He tweeted out the Bengals allowed 184 yards after the catch to running backs this week, and the Colts maximum that they've allowed this year was 54 to Baltimore, and that was an overtime game.
0: Yeah, so you would expect, uh, I mean, at most, you're probably getting uh, 60 yards there, so that would take White's total right down to 280. Yeah. And he's probably not going to throw quite as much, so, yeah, I mean, you're looking at, for a ceiling for White, you're looking at, what, like, 275 yards, probably the equivalent of one touchdown, because if he throws two touchdowns, he's probably going to turn it over twice. Yeah. So, you're looking at, like, you know, and he doesn't run, so ceiling for him is maybe 18 19 points this week and Yeah, it's, it's that's just not it's, exciting
1: yeah and what a lot of people are, rush, are are you know excited for him in a one quarterback league but i promise you you will not be excited about him
0: in a no, one and this type of league, offense it's it's mike white handshake meme nick mullins
1: yeah yeah he's he looks good in small sample sizes and as soon as somebody looks at him uh differently everything mm-hmm. falls apart yeah so um Who, uh, oh, let's, let's keep going through Thursday night football and then we'll get into the rest of the rank. So at running back, you have JT at three, Jonathan Taylor. It's an obvious start. You have Michael Carter at 14. Um, I think that that is a good rank because of the volume that he's going to get. Um, but those are the only running backs in this game. You have as starts really Ty Johnson and Naheem Hines kind of flex guys at 30 and 36. Um, uh, Michael Carter at 14 you have them above guys like um like chase edmonds who you've who you've really believed in this year um and even elijah mitchell who's kind of been a smash start this year so i'm just curious uh michael carter he's i mean one good game really is what it what it's been but um do you think that you can just trust the volume for him is that what has him up at 14 for you
0: yeah, especially with Mike White at quarterback right now. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. Carter's going to get used a ton in the passing game. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine he gets less than six targets. And with the way the offense is, you know, his, his, he's going to get probably 10 carries. He's not going to do anything with them because it's Indy. So he's probably going to run for 30 yards. He gets a ton of goal line work, weirdly, even though he's small. I don't mm-hmm. really know why they do that, but they feed him the ball on the goal line. So I mean it's they've been doing this for a month now. Um so you're probably looking at thirty yards on the ground, forty yards on five catches through the air, and that's twelve points right there. If he gets in the end zone, he's an RB one. If he doesn't, he's an RB two. So fringe RB one. If it was a better matchup, I'd have him in the top twelve probably, which is again weird to say because I still don't think Michael Carter's very good. But um you can be average and be really good for fantasy because you just Get the ball a ton
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> I'll I'll let people figure out who number 13 is And that's who that made me think of
0: <laughs> It's Joe Mixon
1: It's Joe Mixon, folks Um.
0: Joe Maxon
1: Joe Maxon, that's right Um. So at wide receiver, you have Michael Pittman at 15 Jameson Crowder at 24 And then you have two guys that aren't really starts here Elijah Moore, Zach Paschal at 48 and 49 Um, Is Michael Pittman a must-start? Yes. At this point,
0: it's not a question. I mean, yeah. dude got 15 targets last week. Uh, he, he's the guy in the passing offense. I mean, he's getting twice the volume of anyone else, and he's good. Like, he, he's improved much more than I thought he was going to. Um, the athletic profile wasn't amazing. The production wasn't amazing in college. I didn't know if he could really run routes and consistently separate, but. It hasn't really mattered. Um, He reminds me a lot of Kenny Galladay, where he just kind of... He doesn't really have any elite traits, but he just knows how to go get the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, tenacious player, super high effort, really strong hands, and Wentz completely trusts him. Uh, So, yeah, I I don't see really any scenario where you're taking Pittman out of your lineup anytime soon.
1: Yeah, and there's no player that is really taking anything but dump-offs from him, like Jack Doyle, Mo Alley-Cox, the running backs. It's just a bunch of, like, short-area guys. And then Michael Pittman, who it's like, oh, I'll just – whatever I throw up there, Michael Pittman is going to go get it. So Yeah,
0: Wentz has no problem whipping the ball down the field to Pittman because he knows it's either going to be catch incomplete or pass interference. Like, there's yeah. such a low chance of it getting picked off that he's like, well, whatever. I mean, it's just – he does. Pittman doesn't really even have to run routes. Like, will this, will this type of production last? No. I mean, he's not going to have a hundred, over a hundred yards and two touchdowns every week. But um, with the volume he's getting, he's a solid, like high, at, high to mid wide receiver too, pretty much no matter what.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's, he's a beast. And that's I, I'm trying to remember. I think I wrote about that when he was coming out. When I was writing about the rookies, I was like, everything is either a catch. Offensive pass interference or defensive pass interference It's just one of the three is what happens when it goes when you throw downfield to michael Pittman. so um so the other two wide receivers in this game uh elijah moore zach pascal you're 48 49 um are they just hand like don't even slot them in like they're just like desperation plays what what has you putting them where you had them at 48 and 49 with their what's been kind of not a lot of production from them so far
0: yeah, Pascal just tends to get a reasonable amount of work. Um, he's never awful or good. Usually, he's just kind of gets you like 8 points. Like last week he had 9 points. I think he had like 4 catches for 50 yards. I mean, it was it was fine. Like it, if you're desperate, you can throw him in your wide receiver 3 slot in a deep league where you got buys. Um, same thing with Moore. Last week Moore had 6 catches on 6 targets. He's going to play number two receiver with Davis out. Um, They're going to, if there's anybody on the team that can beat the Colts down the field, it's more. So I wouldn't recommend it, but again, if you're desperate and you're one of these guys who really liked Elijah Moore coming into the, you know, coming out of the draft, then, you know, if you believe in the talent, then this is a good matchup to take a flyer because, the Colts are vulnerable down the field and he's got very good speed.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's that's the the formula for a Elijah Moore uh, touchdown is I don't think he's getting a short one. I think it's going to be at least 30 yards if he gets one. Mm. So. All right. Um, only tight end you have uh, ranked in this game is Mo, a- Mo Ali Cox at 20. Um, there are a lot of other options available, including guys widely available like Albert O, Tommy Sweeney. Um, in even Pat Friermuth, who still has a lot of availability, and Dan Arnold. So, uh, do not go to Mo Alley Cox if you can help it.
0: Yeah. Uh, less Mo.
1: <laughs> less Mo. Um. All right. Is there anything else about Thursday Night Football that you want your ranks or anything that you want to go over before we reset and talk about the rest of the rest of the players this week?
0: Um. At this point, no matter what the matchup is, you can't play Nike Mines. You, you gotta you got to leave him out right now until the Colts decide if he's actually going to have a role or not right now. It just doesn't look like it because he's not been, you know, with, with Carson Wentz at quarterback, he's not been a more effective pass catching back than Jonathan Taylor. So there hasn't been a reason to just not to just leave Taylor on the field and then put in Hines when he needs a, when he needs a rest. So he's not a pass catching running back anymore. Really? His role is just backup. And mm-hmm. so he's not, really relevant. The only reason I have him even at 36 is because the Jets are terrible against running backs, just god-awful. But, no, he's an RB4, RB5 type guy. I mean, I I don't know if you drop him, because if Taylor were to get hurt, he would have a lot more value than Marlon Mack would. But, um, you know, you you could give me a case where you were thinking about dropping him, and I probably wouldn't put up a fuss about it.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't go out of your way to to drop Nikeem Hines, but if somebody was like, "Hey, um, you know, somebody dropped, you know, let's," I'm just trying to look at somebody else. Oh, Rashad Bateman is on waivers. Do I drop Naheem Hines? Hot second.
0: Yep. Get him out of there. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Or like if you were like, "Well, Naheem Hines hasn't had a role, and it looks like Rex Burkhead's the number one in Houston. Should I pick up Rex Burkhead?" And I'd be like, uh, "Sure, that's fine." Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. That's a lot of just like titanic deck chair moving there with rex burkhead and Naheem hines it's just Mm -hmm. you know and and this is from two guys who are big Naheem hines proponents but you're right it's jonathan taylor has been you know we had lofty expectations for him and he's met or exceeded all of those to the point to the point where there's no reason to take him off the field um other than to give him a breather so um i
0: asked if you were starting an nfl team and you had to pick a running back to start an NFL team with, you would pick Jonathan Taylor 100 times out of 100 right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now, yeah. He's
0: so young. He's so good. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just, he's the guy. I mean, Dynasty, RB1, I don't think that's a question.
1: No. I asked asked Mike this question yesterday um, on the Patreon uh, episode. Is he the number one running back next year in drafts? Is he the 101 next year?
0: Um
1: Because you've got two years of Christian McCaffrey missing extensive time. You have Derrick Henry coming off of a Jones fracture surgery, which has a rate of recurrence that's not insignificant.
0: I will say, I'll say, yeah, I I don't know if he'll be the, you won't, there won't be an indisputable number Uh one next year, but I think he will have the lowest average number next to his pick. It'll be like 1.9 or something.
1: He'll be at the top of all the lists.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, he'll be on, on – when you go on to Fantasy Football Calculator or Fantasy Pros ADP, it'll be – his name will be first.
1: Yeah, I was talking to Mike about this. I feel like it's it's almost like a changing of the guard with, you know, um, with Jonathan Taylor. And then just by pure volume, Najee Harris belongs up there. Um, yeah, he's, then, I mean,
0: Harris is a good, not great player. And I don't know how much better he can get because he's not an amazing athlete or anything. Yeah. but. Yeah, I mean he's gonna be this young for a while. I mean he pretty much his entire rookie contract you can just pencil in his volume.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean it's the Steelers. As long as Mike Tomlin's there, he's gonna get the volume. So it's yeah. it's and then like the only holdovers are really like Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook in the top five, and even then Dalvin Cook's been sneakily not good this year. So
0: yeah, Eckler.
1: Yeah, Eckler. I mean I, it's 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 hard for me to tout Eckler now because I feel like a homer because I was a big Eckler head. But yeah, Eckler belongs up there. He's your no, number I mean, one running back this week.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, when I when I looked and saw who was out and who was on by, and I was like, man, this I have an opportunity to reason reasonably rank Austin Eckler as my number one running back. I'm not missing this opportunity. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can't argue with it either. So. Um, Let's let's uh let's rotate back to talking about quarterbacks really quick. Let's talk about your quarterbacks this week. I'm not going to go down the ranks because again, uh you can go to footballobservery.com, check out Walker's ranks and um follow along, so I'm not going to read them out loud. I do have a few questions for you though. So, um I want to talk about Ryan Tannehill, number 12, uh a tough Rams matchup. He's really only had one game. Um we're going to talk a lot about the Titans I think in this without Derrick Henry because it's a monumental change. So, I'm what I'm worried about, and I'm I'm curious about your opinion on this. Is, um, we talked a lot, and it was your theory about why the Titans work so well in the goal line, and a big part of that was Derrick Henry. So yes. is without Derrick Henry, is there are there fewer finger rolls from Ryan Tannehill, and is this going to be a situation where, um, I I'm worried Tennessee is going to get punched in the mouth without Derrick Henry with this being their first matchup, the Rams.
0: Um. I mean, I I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball very well. I mean, uh, missed me with the Adrian Peterson hype. The dude is 36 years old and hasn't played football in like a year. Yeah, Um, he's not
1: good anymore, folks.
0: Yeah, no thank you. He was bad with the Lions. He's not going to be any good this year with a team with an even worse offensive line. Um, But I think there's going to be less finger rolls, but I think there's going to be more passing touchdowns because I think they're just going to throw more in the red zone um because they still have um they still have the one of their triple threat red zone and that is throw ball to AJ Brown.
1: Yeah, it, have AJ Brown be bigger and stronger than the guy he's he's going yep. up against,
0: which he will always be 100% of the time. So mm-hmm. it's they're showing that already. I mean, after after Henry, I mean, he didn't go out of the game, but after it was clear Henry was hampered and not effective last week, they still ran the ball some but when they needed those money yards, they just lined up A.J. Brown out there and threw him the ball and let him do stuff. And that, This is what they did last year when they got in a bind as well. And it works because he's amazing. So mm-hmm. I, I just feel like that's what they're going to transition into. I mean, we'll, they'll run some. They'll ram Peterson into the line sometimes in the goal line. They'll run little swing passes to McNichols. They'll do their dopey stuff where they run like – a past Tannehill or they do a, a wildcat thing. But um, yeah, a lot of it is just going to get streamlined and you're just going to see more AJ Brown.
1: Yeah. I am I'm, I'm actually wondering because um, Mike and I were talking about it yesterday. I guess this episode is half a, an advertisement for the Patreon episode. Um, the streamlining. It, yeah. The streamlining, I think that takes me into what I, the other person I want to talk about, which is Patrick Mahomes, who you have at four. Mike and I have decided they just need to calm down and just like s- they don't have the um um uh, leeway the um room for error to be as stupidly fancy as they have been cuz they do a lot of this stuff pre-snap that doesn't do anything it's just like eye wash
0: it's window and, dressing
1: yeah yeah it's window dressing and uh, it, it What is your take on what is going wrong with with the uh, with the Kansas City offense? Because Mike and I are just like, yeah, they don't have it in them right now to be as fancy as they have been. And they just need to sit down, have a come to Jesus moment and be like, all right, we just need to. We have talented players. We need to execute plays that get them the ball and go from there.
0: Well, it's a combination of things. I mean, they traded for Orlando Brown, who is a good tackle but he's not a guy who holds up well in a pass blocking offense where an offense where a quarterback takes really deep drops all the time because he's very unathletic. So he's just getting beat around the corner all the time because edge rushers are just realizing I can just run past him and circle back around. And Mahomes is just going to drop into me because this is how the offense works. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been an issue. Um, they don't run the ball like at all. And so teams have just decided we are never going to blitz and we're just going to try to force you to run the ball. And until last week, the chiefs, which they still really didn't run as much as they probably should have, but which is weird coming from me, but it's, uh, they just, if that's what the defense is going to give you, then just keep doing it. I mean, they had a whole drive last in, uh, in the game on Monday night where, Derek Gore, whoever that is.
1: Grandson of Frank.
0: Just ran straight down the Giants throughout the whole drive because the Giants continued to put like five in the box and not blitz Mm -hmm. and just dare them to keep giving the ball to some rando. And they did, and they scored a touchdown because that's what the defense was giving them. And then they just didn't do it again because they don't want to. That's not what they want to do. They want to get the ball to Mahomes and let him find Kelsey and hill a bunch and then hopefully hit a deep ball. This, you know, that's their preferred way to play and teams are just playing a pretty boring style of defense that doesn't really allow Kansas city to play offense the way that they would prefer to play offense. And so far this season, they've been too stubborn to make the necessary adjustments to get back to some sort of like you now level of regular KC success on offense. Um, I still don't think that this is like. I mean, this is not a bad offense. I don't yeah. think this is a. I don't think it's a good football team. They're not deep. Their defense is really bad. Um, the offensive line is not very good. They're never going to be a good running team. Um, but they've also had the worst turnover luck in the NFL by far.
1: Oh yeah, people keep I talking mean, about. Um... Uh, Patrick Mahomes' interceptions. I don't think they watch the games because the number no, that are Patrick
0: like, Mahomes has ten picks, and I think eight of them have been tipped or something like that. I can like, think
1: of three in the last two games that were not his fault at
0: yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, and and to be fair, in the Monday night game, his interception was not a great throw, but it just like doinked way up in the air, and the Giants mm-hmm. caught it. It doinked uh, off he, a
1: face mask. Like, yeah, but, <laughs> like what are you supposed to do if you're Patrick point, Mahomes?
0: but he did throw a horrible, like, directly to a defender interception that he got bailed out from a penalty. So, yeah.
1: Um,
0: uh, Mahomes has been, yeah. un, like I, I said in a tweet on Monday night, that Mahomes has been uneven, but I tweeted this after he was rolling out to his left and, like, threw a submarine pass to Kelsey for a first down. And, it's like, he still does stuff like this. Like, yeah. he's still the most talented man in the world. Like, he's incredible at football. He's just off right now. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be that way forever. Like you're not just gonna be able to play a whole 17 game season with Patrick Mahomes at B minus level. That doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, that the long diatribe to say, you know, the Chiefs need to make adjustments that they have thus far this season been unwilling to make, and I think that they're beginning to make those adjustments, but it needs to happen sooner or else they're going to be in danger of missing the playoffs and that's kind of ridiculous when you've got Mahomes at the quarterback.
1: Yeah. And and it's not it's like Mahomes until the last two games has been putting up numbers so this whole like Mahomes is is figured out thing is is tired laughable. It's la- it's literally laughable. Like um you know he's had I'm I'm double checking his rushing touchdown. So no, okay. So he has one touchdown in his last two games, but he had multiple touchdowns every game before that, including five in week four. And it's like he's not figured out. He's having bad luck. This is this is how variance works. You know, people are so obsessed because football is such a small sample size that they can't fathom variance happening. Like, you know, sometimes a ball. Doinks up into the air and it falls to the ground and sometimes it falls into a Giants defender's hands like these things happen. And he's getting a lot of balls like off of Tyreek Hill's hands that are just kind of it's almost like Tyreek Hill is almost handing the ball to the defender when it bounces off of his hand. It's like these things will even out. And so I think uh, continuing to put Patrick Mahomes in the top five is prudent because at people are trying to drop him below that. And you are going to look silly when he returns to being Patrick Mahomes because he is still good. He is still doing Patrick Mahomes things. They're just not working out. Mm. Um, so let's talk about um, the standard questions each week. So who is your hardest rank at wider, at a quarterback this week?
0: Mm. Tua.
1: Tua. So you've got Tua at 10 against the Texans. I, I actually really like that rank. Why was that so difficult for you?
0: Yeah. Uh. Tua didn't look good last week, and he's been very inconsistent throughout his young career so far. Um, I just, it's, it, it, Ken was just kind of like the middle, obviously he's going to end up at nine with Rogers dropping out, but it's, I thought about having him up around like the sixth region because the matchup is so good. Um. But I also thought about like having him outside the top twelve because I don't think he's playing very well. Um, you know, the first game back he was really good, then the next game he was a little worse, and then against the Bills, which it's the Bills.
1: It's the Bills, yeah.
0: Yeah, he was bad, but you know, it was the Bills. Mm-hmm. I, I I expect him to be a QB one. Um and so putting him at nine, you know, it which is what it'll be after Rogers drops out. I I think that's fair, but I just I think I I would say it's my hardest because I have, I do not think he's going to end up at nine. I think he's either going to end up like four or 14. Yeah. But I had to rank, you know, I I couldn't leave him out of the top 12 with as good a matchup as it is.
1: Yeah. I, the reason I liked it is because I was looking at the two guys above him. And actually, honestly, the three guys above him hurts Prescott and Burrow. And I'm like, okay, I cannot in good faith, justify putting Tua ahead of those guys. And then it's like, okay, well, he's not going ahead of Lamar, Mahomes, Stafford, Murray and Josh Allen. It's like, realistically, this is as high as we could justify putting him in. What is a good matchup? And and honestly, I'm not too worried about Tua's performance. I think he's going to be closer to four than 14. But that 14 is always in there. It's it's just something that's sitting in the back of your mind because even with his two good games, 22 and 28 fantasy points in six weeks, six and seven, he still threw three picks. So it's not like his games are particularly clean. Um, he's played four full games this year. He has picks in all of them. So, you know, that to a meltdown is, is always that potential is always in the back there. So um, I get it. So I get it. But I I, I kind of actually like um, like 10 uh, ahead of Justin Herbert, who has been sneakily not that amazing recently. He's been struggling for a couple of games, um, but I do think he bounces back against Philly this week.
0: Yeah, I think he'll be all right. I mean, I just the offense that they run and the defense that Philly runs probably won't lend itself to a lot of big plays for Herbert, mm-hmm. but he should be, like, accurate and effective, and I doubt he turns the ball over more than maybe one time, if that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I... I, I, sh- I don't think you should feel afraid to play Herbert this week. I just don't think you should expect, like, a weak winner type thing yeah. out of them.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a lot like um, Herbert and Tannehill have kind of been uh, joined at the hip for me this year because um, I had them in, like, the same tier, and then they've been kind of similar recently. So, um, yeah. yeah, Herbert and Tannehill. So, all right, who is your sneaky start at quarterback and your tough sit at quarterback? Uh,
0: sneaky start is Tyrod.
1: At 14 against Miami.
0: We love the boy. He's back. I uh, I have to think he's back this week. He was he was supposed to be back last week. They decided to be cautious. Um, but he is ready to be activated off the injured reserve. Um, obviously, this will change if they decide to go with Mills because Tyrod is better than Davis Mills in every way. Um, you've got the rushing floor. You have the fact that Tyrod is an accurate passer. Um he looked really good the first couple weeks of the season. Like but as good as he's looked since he was in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um man, I just you know, I I have always had a soft spot for him because I thought he got a lot of undue hate. He's so got he, a tough
1: rap and and I don't think that guys guys like Jalen hurts would not be getting the leash that they're getting without Tyrod Taylor kind of like normalizing this, like, Hey, I'm just going to run the ball. If things aren't there, just so, you know, like I'm not going to try to this other stuff.
0: That's a great comp because it, you know, Taylor doesn't have a very good arm. Um, but yeah, he's a great runner. Um, he doesn't take unnecessary chances with the ball. He's just basically, he's, he's a baseline game manager with the added benefit of, being really fast. Mhm.
1: Yeah. So who is your uh, tough sit for this week at
0: quarterback? Um, tough sit. I will go with Derek Carr. Yep. Uh, number um,
1: sixteen at the Giants.
0: Yeah. I I I think people are underestimating the Giants' defense right now. Patrick Graham again. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's a really good defensive coordinator. He's getting a lot out of the out of a unit that's kind of below average in terms of talent. The Raiders are making a long trip to the East Coast in this game um, for an early game that is never a good sign for an offense. I don't really trust a co- a team coming off a bye week with an interim head coach. Uh, and his most dangerous weapon outside of uh, Darren Waller just got arrested. Yeah. So... I just think it's a good week to stay away from Derek Carr.
1: I think it's a good week to stay away from the Raiders if you can. Um, Hunter
0: Renfro and Josh Jacobs. I I don't actually agree. I don't agree. I, I yeah. think I think Jacobs, Renfro, and Waller are all good plays.
1: Okay, I just I just think it's a thing where like I don't find Derek Carr to be a particularly resilient like he seems to be a particularly emotional person. I think he's going to press to be like, this is something that we do for, for because he keeps talking about how he's going to support Henry Ruggs. It's like, no, Henry Ruggs will, whatever the uh, official lawful definition is. I don't, Henry Ruggs murdered somebody. He killed somebody through his negligence. And Derek Carr's like, well, I'm going to stand by Henry. And it's like, oh, you're going to be like the person who's like, we're going to do this for, for, for Hank Ruggs. And I just, I don't know. Uh, He, his, who he is, talent wise, does not always match up with who he thinks he is. When he's like, "I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna sling this ball around." So, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I kind of feel like Derek Carr might drag the whole thing down because he's gonna try too hard and do things outside of his skill set.
0: I mean, that, that's kind of it. That's it's narrative building, but it's a re, it's a reasonable train yeah. of thought.
1: Yeah, it's sometimes, it, I mean, sometimes you just take the train and, and just see where it takes you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like Derek Carr's been so weird about not only the John Gruden thing, because he's like, oh, I love John, you know, you know, we're neighbors, all that. And now the Henry Ruggs thing, he's like, oh, I'm going to, I don't know. I think,
0: I think Derek Carr just like literally anything that happens with the Raiders, he's just like, we got to support our boys.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true.
0: That's so. like his whole deal. It's like, if you asked him, like, do you support the police? He'd be like, oh, yeah, of course I support the police. And then if you asked him, do you support Black Lives Matter? He'd be like, oh, yeah, of course I support Black Lives
1: Matter. I love Black Lives Matter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He he just Derek Carr loves everything.
1: Yeah. He's like, they're like, Derek, how do you feel about Israel-Palestine? He's like, "Uh, which outfit are you from? I have to tailor this very specifically.
0: He'd be like, "Uh, I I think that uh, I think they both should. I think they both had their place.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's the perfect Derek Carr answer. Uh, all right. Let's move on to running back. So um, I said we were going to talk about the uh, Titans a lot, but I think Adrian Peterson at 34. Just leave him there. I don't particularly want to talk about Adrian Peterson. He's not good. Um, I think people are going to be very disappointed in him. I saw people saying drop whatever fab you have left on Adrian Peterson, which is insane to me. Because this is what it. I think Adrian Peterson is. I think Adrian Peterson is 10 to 15 carries a game, somewhere between three and a half and four and a half yards per carry. And sometimes he will score a touchdown.
0: No, oh, he's, so, he's he's Ravens Latavius Murray. That's exactly yeah. what you're going to get out of him. He's, yeah. a, he's a touchdown dependent flex.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what he is. And he's a guy who has more value in standard than any sort of PPR because he will catch no passes.
0: Yeah. I, how many games the Titans have left? Nine. Adrian Peterson will catch less than 10 passes.
1: Yeah. I was going to say he's going to get like 13, 14 targets the rest of the way.
0: Yeah. They're not going to do with what they were doing with Henry, where they're giving him three or four targets a game this year. That's not yeah. happening. Those are yeah. all going to McNichols.
1: Yeah. Those are going to go to Jeremy McNichols.
0: So. And um, then the tight ends like Jeff's Jeff Swame, Anthony Furkser, and Michael Pruitt are going to average like eight targets a game. You just have no idea which one of them is going to have the most. Who
1: it's, who it's going to be. It's going to be um like the, uh, um, Ertz and Goddard from earlier this year, but on steroids because it's three directions. It's yeah, like, no, There's going mean, to be X number of targets thrown this way.
0: Yeah, that's the problem here. So you can't start any... Because Julio Jones, who knows when he's even going to play again. That dude is so injured at this point in his career. Um, But you know when Jones is out, which is going to be most of the time, you're going to have... The three tight ends, and then Reynolds, Westbrook Akina, Marcus Johnson, Chester Rogers, Cam Batson. Like those eight guys are going to get like 20 targets, and you just have no idea what the dispersion is going to be on a game to game basis. And then Jeremy McNichols is going to get six, and AJ Brown's going to get like 12. And that's, that's the thing. Like it's yeah. just going to be AJ Brown, and you can flex Jeremy McNichols probably, and that's it.
1: Yeah, we, we saw this earlier the year when A.J. Brown was out, where people were just, like, chasing around. Like, oh, let's let's start Chester Rogers this week because he got six targets th- this week, last week. And, oh, nope, it's a Nick Westbrook-Akine week. Okay, we'll start him next. Oh, nope, now it's a Cam Batson week. It's like Yeah,
0: oh, Josh Reynolds had five for 50 and a touchdown all of a sudden. It's like, Yeah. It, it's, stop doing this to yourself.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those offenses where, you know, going into the season we said we liked KC because it's, it's prolific and focused. This is just like – Ryan handles is going to drop back and whoever's open is getting the football. If yep. it's not AJ Brown.
0: Right. He's going to drop back and look directly at AJ Brown. And if AJ Brown's triple covered, then he's going to figure something out.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of that you have Jeremy McNichols at 26. I think Jerry McNichols as a dump off is going to do a lot of replacing of what we thought were going to be Derrick Henry carries at this point in the year. So 26 against the Rams. I kind of I think that's a little spicy I like the the boldness of of ranking him as a reasonable like flex I think is he a flex that you're you're advocating for with this 26 rank uh
0: yeah yeah I think so um I I just feel like this is a game where Tennessee is their defense isn't good like Tennessee is a pretty good football team but yeah on the defensive side they struggle and the Rams are a well oiled machine right now. I mean, Matthew Stafford is the MVP favorite right now for a reason. He's got the offense humming. Um, they're going to have to score a lot and score quick at times to keep up in this game. And I think that they're going to do a lot of hurry up, a lot of, you know, kind of West Coast, shotgun snap, quick passing, that sort of thing. And I mean, McNichols could easily have one of those JD McKissick games where it's four carries for 13 yards and seven catches for 80 yards on nine targets.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's also one of those games where the Titans, I mean, Mike Vrabel at this point, he is, he's definitely in the realm of smart coaches for me. Yeah. Um. He, he knows that without that Derrick Henry buffer, he cannot afford to take negative passes. So, they will have a lot of like, like, like we said, AJ Brown, if AJ Brown's not open, take the yards, just take the yards, whatever they're giving you to whatever tight end or Jeremy McNichols, whatever is Mm -hmm. four yards downfield, just take it.
0: And I think, I think Tannehill um, doesn't take a hit because um, he's going to run more.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's going to be there too. Sometimes if they're playing man, it's just going to open up for him.
0: Right. You're going to have, it's basically going to be, Read one, AJ Brown. Read two is your safety blanket. If neither of those are there, run. Yeah. It's gonna be one, two, go.
1: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think Jeremy McNichols. I, I, I. This is higher than I would put him, but I appreciate the cojones on your part, especially because you have him ranked above guys that, you know, have been good this year, like James Conner, who's been. I mean, I, I've been starting James Conner in places, but I fully acknowledge he has touchdown or bust. Um, And, you know, guys that like Tony Pollard, who has fallen off and Kenny Gainwell, who I want to talk about now, because you have Kenneth Gainwell at 33 of Boston Scott at 20. Um, Should we kind of run away from Kenneth Gainwell at at this point, given what they did to him last week?
0: Um, If you're a Kenneth Gainwell believer, uh, I would be playing him this week because if it's ever going to happen, it's going to be this week. The Chargers are not very good against running backs, and this is a game where the Eagles will likely be playing from behind a lot, so they'll be doing less pounding the ball into the line with a 40-point lead and more uh, having to dump the ball off to Kenny Gainwell in the passing game. Uh, but, yeah, it it just doesn't seem like his role changes much, regardless of who's available. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just... He, he's the scat-back-slash-pass-catcher guy. And if they need that on a given day, then he gets, like, 10 or 12 points. And if they don't, then he's not used much. Um, he's he's pretty much directly filled into that Naheem Hines role that Sirianni gave to Naheem Hines in Indy. It's just that he's not as good as Hines. Um, so... I, Personally, I'm not really super excited about it. Um but like I said, if you if you believe in the talent and you're up against it this week for a flex guy, there are definitely worse options. You could I mean I'm still playing him over Rex Burkett, I'm playing him over Nikeem Hines, I'm playing him over AJ Dillon, you know, so I I don't think that it's a complete stay away, but if he throws up a dud this week, then you could probably drop him at that point.
1: Yeah, especially because, I mean, it didn't sound like uh, Miles Sanders' ankle injury was that um, catastrophic. You know, they said he was week to week before they threw him on IR, and I haven't seen anything about any setbacks. So I have a feeling that, um, you know, he should be back in relatively short order. So, um, yeah, if he's, he doesn't do it this week, then then you can go ahead and move on. And that's why I was talking to, to Mike yes, yesterday on the Tuesday show about, like, I'm not particularly interested in spending a lot of fab to go get Boston Scott and particularly not interested in Jordan Howard because it's like, you know, it is one or two weeks and they could easily just do to Boston Scott what they did to Kenny Gainwell because of the game script. Like you said, it's, it's very different um, playing the chargers versus playing the lions. So um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I think this says it all about this tier. It's this group here. And I think I, I'm guessing at this tier of uh Tony, uh, Tony Pollard, Kenny Gainwell, Adrian Peterson, Rex Burkhead, Naheem Hines, and Savin Ahmed. I, I, I'm guessing at that being a tier.
0: I would say it's um, 31 Latavius Murray through 35 Rex Burkhead.
1: I almost put Latavius Murray in that group, but I thought because he had more guaranteed volume than Pollard, he would be a tier higher for you. So, all right. Um, who is your who is your hardest person to rank at running
0: back? Mm, hardest person to rank? Miles Gaskin.
1: Miles Gaskin. So yeah, Miles Gaskin is he feels all over the map. So he's 22, Houston. Uh, what's your what are your thoughts on Miles Gaskin for this week? Because I'm I'm genuinely curious on that part because it's all over the place with him.
0: Yeah, um, it seems like with Malcolm Brown going on IR that their backfield has become a little more streamlined and kind of easier to predict. Um, it's basically Gaskin, 60 five percent Ahmed 35% and that's just kind of how they're running it last week um that's how it was and Gaskin got like eight points I think because Buffalo is really good on defense and there just Mm -hmm. wasn't room um but the week before that he had like 20 points so I it seems like with like I said with Brown out of the picture for the rest of the season um I think you can have a little more confidence in Gaskin. He's just, his role isn't one that's going to provide big boom weeks. Um, But at this point, I think if you've got him, he's a guy that almost every week, unless you're playing a really good, unless Miami's playing a really good team like Buffalo, who just shuts everything down, um, that he's definitely a guy you can flex. And this week there's a lot of guys on bye and it's a great matchup. So bumped him up just into that back end RB two range.
1: Okay, yeah. And one thing that I've noticed because I've been staring at Miles Gaskin, um, I think a big problem for him this year is for whatever reason, his yards per target have dropped in half. Um and it's it's and it's not a getting missed with the ball thing, because his yards per reception has gone down about four yards per reception and it's below what even he did as rookie year. so hopefully that kind of like bounces back for him. And that could help out with um, you know, the production uh, opportunities being a little wonky because his, his, his efficiency on the ground is, is fine. It's just like his yards per target, which were his calling card last year in his breakout. Mm -hmm. I've just cratered through the floor though. He does. Here's something interesting. Um, oh yeah, I forgot he only played ten games last year. I was gonna say he's he's already has forty targets and he only had forty seven last year. So I forgot he played only ten games last year. But um, who is your sneaky start at running back and who is your tough sit at running back this week?
0: Sneaky start, gonna go with gonna go with Ty Johnson. All right. Um, I. It's just, with the way the offense is right now, they can't run the ball and they're not going to be able to run the ball against Indy because Indy's really good against the run and really bad against the pass. So, they're going to be doing a whole lot of dumping the ball off because, again, Mike White doesn't really throw the ball downfield. So, you know, am I expecting, like, 50 combined points out of Michael Carter and Ty Johnson like last week? Of course not. That's never happening again. But... They're both going to continue to have roles here, and Johnson is going to get a higher... You know, he's, he's got a more stable role than most of the guys in this tier. Um, most likely, he's going to get at least four or five targets. He'll probably get half a dozen carries. If he averages five yards a touch and he touches the ball ten times like that, then that's four catches and 50 total yards, which is nine points so that even that is usable as a flex and mm-hmm. then if he gets in the end zone you're looking at a make a mid to high end RB 2 week
1: okay so it's like one of those like you can kind of like cobble together yes yeah. this, this this picture where he's uh particularly good so who is your uh tough sit this week
0: hmm Tough set. I'm gonna go with James Conner.
1: James Conner, yeah, A guy who's I I figured that's who it would be because he's like a top 15 guy on the season, and you have him at uh, what is this 20? Where did he go? I missed him. Lost oh, 28. Yeah, at the Niners. So, um, just it's just, you know, is it just yeah, the touchdowns thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just not it's not a good matchup. He was uh, in their previous game against the Niners, he went 10 for 29 um he scored one touchdown and he caught one pass and we had like 10.2 points
1: mm-hmm.
0: um I just you know uh, there's a universe where he could easily score a touchdown in this game and still only give you nine points
1: oh yeah and um the, here's the the I I have been a James Connor if people have listened you know James Connor versus Chase Edmonds was me and Walker slap fighting all summer um since they added Zach Ertz he has 21 and 22 snaps after averaging somewhere between, I mean, the games before that, 41, 29, 33. So it's like his snaps have gone down by a lot. And that's had a coordinating drop in his carries, too, because
0: the game. Yeah, before he had they five had five carries in his last game. Yeah, five.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say he had 16 carries in the game before they got Zach Ertz and 15 in the last two combined.
0: Right. Yeah, he's not touching the ball very much. Like, he, yeah. I would be surprised if he got double digit carries in this game. It's probably going to be somewhere around eight. He's going to average like three and a half a carry. So if you're looking, even if you give him, you know, generous 30 rushing yards, so oh, he's not being targeted right now. You, the only way he gives you an RB two performance is if he scores twice. And I just don't like taking that chance against a pretty good San Francisco defense this week. I, I, James Conner will provide value for you at some point again this season, but I just don't think it's this week.
1: Yeah. I, I do think James Conner scores one touchdown and this is how uh, deep ball to Josh Norman pastor or d- deep ball to whoever Josh Norman is covering pass interference in the end zone. One, Better yard
0: line. one James Conner goes in the end zone.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's, that's how he gets his one touchdown this week because Josh Norman is physically incapable of not getting pass interference. It is, Aggravating and infuriating and I think James Conner is a huge sell high with what you like, they Get something for him right now because I agree the bottom is falling out because He cannot he cannot get um, Three touched a, a Touchdown every five carries which is what He has right now with Zacherts on the team Yeah yeah and, and um, I mean also that Might not even work for him because this is the Niners Team that did they they stopped the Packers on the goal line um, It was first and goal At like the three and the Packers Turn over, had to turn over on down. So when when the going gets tough, the Niners do tend to tighten the screws. So, um, all right, let's talk about wide receiver real quick. Um, again, check out these ranks on um, There, I'm actually looking, I'm not seeing a lot that's kind of super surprising. I did want to talk to you about um, Mike Williams because Mike Williams was a guy that I was needling you because he started the season super hot because um, you famously famously among us said he could not get 1000 yards and 10 touchdowns and wow. that is trending downward the odds of that happening i do believe he has 27 and 19 yards in the last two games so um what are what are your feelings on mike williams because you had bought in but he's had three bad games in his last four
0: yeah i mean at, at the time he was getting you know he he was getting a crazy high target share and the chargers offense was humming along pretty well um, So there was no reason not to rank him, you know, as, as a wide receiver one. Um, The Chargers offense has slowed down. Teams are starting to figure them out. The Joe Lombardi scheme is not very good. Kind of what I was worried about before the season is, is getting.
1: Not to interrupt it, you, but this is what happens with the Lions, too. Joe Lombardi came in, yeah. they got this bump, and then people figured it out, and then it fell off.
0: It cratered, yeah. I mean, yeah. this, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Keenan Allen is obviously a better football player than Mike Williams. And so when the offense is more dysfunctional, Allen still kind of figures it out and cobbles together a week. Whereas Mike Williams, he's fine. Like, he's not a bad player at all. But he has his things he does well and he has his things he doesn't do well. And he's easier to take out of a game plan than Allen is because Allen is a brilliant route runner. One of the more talented and tricky receivers in the league. Mike Williams is just kind of like a big athletic dude. Um, Yeah, I'm
1: I'm trying to figure out a good comp for him where it's like if things are going well, he is amazing. But he will not make things go well. Like he he's not the type of guy that will take over a game. Basically, uh, he will be part of a greater offensive output. But I'm having trouble thinking of a good comp for that.
0: uh, Malcolm Floyd.
1: Malcolm Floyd. There's a name.
0: Um but yeah, I I just you know, I have him at eighteen. I it, it's tough to move him down any lower than kind of the middle of our wide receiver two range right now because he's been really good at times this year. Um but yeah, I mean he's just kinda slowly moving down. If he gets if he has another bad week, then I'll move him down to like fringe wide receiver two. Um so it yeah, you I think you gotta play him right now because you've seen what he can do when when he's good. Um, but he's kind of going, coming into that Tyler Lockett territory where it's like, he's either really good or really bad. And you just kind of got to roll with it.
1: Yeah. And that actually, honestly, Tyler Lockett is a good comp too. Cause when Russ started to, he goes as Russ goes, Tyler Lockett
0: most of the time. Yeah. 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 Cause he was useless with Gino until last week when he had like 12 catches.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) When everybody gave up on him. Right. So yeah, uh, bad timing for that comp, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, Tyler Lockett is kind of how Mike... They're a different play style, but the like...
0: Obviously, yeah, it's it's a funny comp because they, they're doing the same thing for fantasy, but yeah, Mike Williams is giant, and Tyler Lockett is very small.
1: Yeah, he's a little guy. Um, By the way, Malcolm Floyd, uh, I forgot, Pride of Sacramento, baby. All right. Let's go. To, let's go. He went to CK, C.K. McClatchy High School,
0: who... Is that where you went, Jeff?
1: No, but a guy I played AAU with went to McClatchy, and he had a, a lip piercing. And what he would do is during the game, he would um, drink water and then spit it at the court through the hole in his lip.
0: <laughs> oh
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. So let's get back to uh, wide receivers. So I'm I'm looking, and I like I said, I don't actually have a lot of surprising ranks here. Everything. Everything kind of fleshes. I don't have a lot of questions. Um, Brandon Ayuk at 44. um, He's garnered a lot of faith because he had four for 46 last week. Um, I think this is an appropriate rank because four for 46 is not good. (laughs) But people are excited.
0: He had seven (laughs) targets. He steadily played more and more as the season has gone along. Um, I I think that he'll, again, have a pretty similar role. He's probably going to get five to seven targets and that's what it is. I mean, he's going to, he's got enough of a role and he's a talented enough player that I don't think he should be completely off your radar and he shouldn't be on waivers anymore. Um, but he's not a guy you can start with confidence right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I feel the same way as somebody who traded some scrub tight end for him. Right. Um, Famously lost my mind uh, one night and just decided that Brandon Ayuk is going to be good now and traded Dalton Schultz to Walker for him. Um, so let's get into – oh, Brian Edwards. I mean, we, we're we done talking about Henry Ruggs, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on Brian Edwards, a guy that – he has a lot of measurables that have people excited about him, but the productivity hasn't really been there. I think he has a shot to – take over a bigger role for uh, the Raiders. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on him going forward.
0: No, I, I agree. Um, I, I, It's not really a one-for-one one substitute. Edwards is a pretty good downfield receiver, but not in the same way that Ruggs is. You know, He's not particularly fast. He's just kind of – he's big and he understands how to use his body. But there's definitely going to be more targets for Brian Edwards. How many more, I'm not sure. That's why I'm not going to play him this week, especially with everything going on with the Raiders right now and the Giants actually being a pretty decent defense. Um, But, you know, you can probably pencil him in for at least about five targets a week now. So in good matchups, he's going to be a guy who's playable. Um, In rough matchups, I think he's a guy who sits on your bench.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, I mean... If we're just looking at guys who could take over the Henry Ruggs role, I mean, they do have Zay Jones sitting right Zay there too. Zay
0: Jones. <laughs> they sure do.
1: Yeah. So, um, all right. Who was your uh, sneaky start this week and tough sit at uh, wide receiver?
0: My sneaky starts were shot Bateman. Um, I've, I've seen him really low in a lot of people's rankings. Like, like ESPN has him like down, like barely in the top 50, which makes no sense to me. Um, Minnesota isn't very good on defense. Bateman is getting a good amount of targets. They're looking for him in the intermediate to deep area of the field. It's not just dump-offs. He's been impressive. He's had a whole, you know, a bye week to get even healthier, to get more rapport with Jackson. I just, I I think he's a solid wide receiver three slash flex guy this week. You know, if you've got him, I think that you fire him up.
1: All right, and then who is your uh, tough and, – And real quick, I just wanted to say, um, yeah, Bateman rostered in like thirty percent of leagues, and I'm just be- begging people to go get Rashad Bateman. Like yeah. he he could, obviously not to the same level, but he could be the like um the next big like Justin Jefferson type, where he's not like not like taking over a game, but just like every week, it's just like six for eighty, six seven for ninety. It's just like he could become. The centerpiece of the Ravens' offense, and he's just sitting out there for free. Go get him, please. All right. And who is your tough sit this
0: week? Devontae Smith. Um,
1: all right. I don't know if it, it's that tough of a sit.
0: It's just that he's he's the very clear number one in this offense. I mean, last week he had three targets because Jalen Hurts threw the ball like ten times all game. So, um, it it he was still the leader on the team in targets. I mean, he he's. He's clearly their number one receiver and he's clearly talented. It's just I, I'm telling people do not start this guy against a Chargers defense that features a lot of good players in the secondary. Like, there's just not going to be room to throw. Jalen Hurts is not adept at hitting small windows. It, it This isn't gonna, this isn't the game for Devonte. I mean, I, I guess he could, you know, blown coverages and stuff happen, but I don't think it's going to be super high-volume day for him. I don't think it's going to be a very efficient day for the Philly passing offense in general. Um, I'm just not interested.
1: Okay. Um, that's fair enough. So let's go. Let's move on to tight ends. And everything, honestly, with tight ends is fairly straightforward, except for one thing I have to ask, and I promise I'm not being a hater. Kyle Pitts at four at New Orleans. Um, we saw the game plan for neutralizing Kyle Pitts last week, which is recognize that Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson are the only two players worth a damn on the Atlanta Falcons offense. And just dare Matt Ryan to win the game with Cordell Patterson. I feel like Kyle Pitts is in for a bit of trouble here this week because, um, if they just put L- Lattimore on him, because everybody's like, oh, he's just a wide receiver, just put your best cornerback on him and that could work. But even then, uh, the Panthers were double teaming him. So I'm just curious if you think that Kyle Pitts might be in for a rocky time ahead, um, with this number four rank.
0: Um, I, I think that there's definitely a possibility of that, but he and – I mean, I have Kittle at five right behind him, who's expected to be back this week. Um, they both have tough matchups. It's just – I Kittle's coming back from injury, so I don't know if it's going to be 100% workload for him right away. And I'm going to be honest, some of it is a little bit narrative-based. Uh, Atlanta-New Orleans games are always weird as hell. Um, That's true. These teams despise each other. There's going to be a ton of motivation for Atlanta to come in and slap New Orleans around in this game, especially coming off a pretty gross performance against Carolina. Um, New Orleans is either going to be playing bad quarterback Taysom Hill or bad quarterback Trevor Simeon. So Atlanta's going to know they have a good chance in this game, even though they're not a particularly good football team. And... I just think that Pitts is going to have a lot of opportunities in this game. I don't necessarily know how efficient it's going to be, but I'm thinking something in the range of, like, 5 for 75 on 10 targets.
1: Okay. I, I, I'm just... I, watching the, the Falcons game, I don't know if they have it in them to slap a team around. Like, they looked rough. Against the Panthers defense, which is pretty good, but New Orleans is, I would say, better
0: in a oh, lot yeah. of ways. No, New Orleans so, is a very good defense.
1: Yeah, so it's it's like they can want to slap somebody around, but I don't know if they have it in them with this like this offense that is really just Kyle Pitts and L. Patterson at this point. So you have a rookie tight end and a career kick returner as your two studs in this offense.
0: Yeah, no, it's weird and not great. I mean, I... I just think that Kyle Pitts is going to get a ton of volume, enough and volume
1: to offset it.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's yeah, it's a hard matchup, but like I just I can't I can't justify ranking a guy like Mike Kosicki who just does not get that much work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know he the, you know and you know Dalton Schultz has a bad matchup and is nowhere near as good as Kyle Pitts. You know Dallas Goddard doesn't get the volume. It, it's just only what, I'm hearing, is,
1: what I'm hearing is there's nowhere else to put him.
0: Basically. Yeah, I mean, the lowest you could really reasonably put him is five. And yeah. I just, I trust him being healthy a little bit more than I trust Kittle probably still not quite being in game shape.
1: Yeah, I will be at this game, and uh, a vowed 49ers fan, I will repeat that. And I could not, in good faith, be like, yeah, you got to put George Kittle above Kyle Pitts. George Kittle, who, you know... Um, can just leave a game because Jimmy Garoppolo will throw a medicine ball for him. Um, but actually this one was, I believe a Trey Lance medicine ball this time uh, last year it was a Jimmy Garoppolo medicine ball. One thing I forgot to ask with the quarterbacks while we're talking about Atlanta and new Orleans. So you have Trevor Simeon at 18. If it is Taysom Hill noted bad quarterback, Taysom Hill, um, but good fantasy quarterback, Taysom though, which Mike and yeah. I dubbed a uh, monopoly money. when we were talking about Jalen hurts. Not very good in real life, but great for the game. Um, mm-hmm. Where would you have Taysom Hill this week, who last year in his two games against Atlanta averaged 25 fantasy points and a quarterback six finish?
0: Uh, I Well, Rodgers would be out, and um, I would move Burrow up to six, and I would put Hill at seven right above Prescott.
1: Okay. So if Taysom Hill gets the nod, he is a start for you this week. Absolutely. That's correct. Yeah. OK, perfect. Um, as somebody who has deep rosters and has Taysom Hill, Tua tunga and Ryan Tannehill, this is news that I need. This is information that I need. So,
0: yeah, if, uh, if Taysom plays, I would probably bench Tannehill.
1: Yeah. I mean, if Taysom plays, I'm I'm starting him. I'm, I'm thinking no questions asked as long as he's starting. So,
0: yeah, most likely.
1: Yeah. So, all right. Back to tight end. I mean, honestly, tight end is a lot like wide receiver for me where I'm looking at this list and I'm not seeing a lot of argument or questions. I do think it's worth highlighting Dan Arnold though. Dan Arnold getting a ton of targets uh since coming over to um to the to the Jaguars. He has eight, five, and ten targets in his last three games. I think at this point we just have to trust the volume.
0: Yeah, this is kind of what I was expecting when when they first came over. You know, I, I told you I thought he was a pretty good waiver pickup because I thought back end tight end one was gonna be around where he where he ended up you know there's not a lot of touchdown upside he's not going to go down the field a whole lot but he's a reliable guy to turn around catch the ball when you throw it to him and Lawrence needs that guy in the offense when they're coming from behind all the time. he needs a guy who can he can just dump the ball off for five yards here and there mm-hmm. um, and against a Buffalo defense that's really good at taking away the things you want to do. You know, Arnold's never going to be the number one guy. He's going to get some Tremaine Edmonds, who's bad at covering people. Um, it, they're going to be behind the whole game. So it, it's, yeah, it's a, on paper it's a really bad matchup, but you're looking at Arnold's probably going to get at least seven targets. He's going to catch most of those. You know, and you're looking at, what, like a five for 30 floor? That's eight points. I mean, literally eight points could be a top-12 tight end week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's entirely possible. Tight end does suck.
0: <laughs> I mean, Evan Engram had three for 15 and a touchdown last week, and he was tight end seven.
1: Wow. Um. Yeah. That is that that. I mean, that's the state of tight end. So, um, couple notes here. Um, Noah Fant is on the COVID IR, probably going to miss the game, is is what I've seen. You have Albert Oakwood, Oakwood Um, that's 17. Um. Is he a sneaky start, or who is your sneaky start this week? Is it him, or is it uh, Pat Fryermuth at 13?
0: My sneaky start is Albert O, for sure. Um, Dallas is not a particularly good defense at covering tight ends. Um, I believe I saw the matchup. It's like they're like 20th against tight ends or something like that. Um, Somewhere around there. But, yeah, I mean, Albert O isn't as good as Noah Fant, but he's certainly not bad. He catches the ball well. He's fairly athletic, good size. Um, he had three targets last week, even in his first game back off off the IR. Um, I would expect a little bit more involvement this week. So you're getting a guy who's going to be involved, who has more talent than somebody like Tommy Sweeney, who gets more volume consistently than somebody like C.J. Uzoma or Mo'Wiley Cox. Um, I am at 17 because you don't know necessarily what you're going to get out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen him as the number one tight end on the team for, for a game yet, but, um, there's certainly a, a possibility. He's more of a high variance option, but, um, if you're looking for a guy who could boom and be a top five tight end on the week, I would rather grab him than somebody like Evan Engram or Tyler Higbee, who's maybe gonna, you know, maybe a little safer, but isn't going to get you that, you know, that high point total that, cause you could get, five for 60 and a score out of alberto easily
1: yeah I, I mean that's just the role of the tight end in this offense in this and Noah Fant is eminently talented but like you said alberto is still good like he would be a lot of teams starting tight ends if they yeah, if yeah, their, I, their offense wanted like a, a like a move tight end type guy mm-hmm. yep so um so okay and who is your tough sit this week and i'm going to guess that it is hunter henry
0: That is correct, yeah.
1: Yes, at Carolina, number 15.
0: Yeah, it's Hunter Henry, who had a really rough game last week in a game where the Patriots' offense was better than I expected them to be. Um, Carolina, while they aren't a good football team, they're really good against tight ends. I just don't see this being a a big passing game for the Patriots. They're probably not going to need to. I think this game is going to be really low-scoring. Um, You know, it's two teams that don't score a ton of points and two teams who are quite good on the defensive end. That's their main strength. So this is this is definitely one of those like first to 20 wins for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I feel like the only way Henry gets a tight end one week is if he like catches a one yard touchdown or something. It just he's not going to have a high volume. He's not going to be looked at down the field. He's playing a tough defense. There's just a lot of things stacked against him this week.
1: Okay, and I'm asking these out of order, and I believe already I did not already ask this, but who is your toughest rank for this week?
0: Uh toughest rank. <sighs> I think I go with Zach Ertz just because the sample size just is not big right now. It's tough. It's tough um,
1: to to figure out what he's what what his role is with the with the Cardinals at this point.
0: Right, because like against San Fran he had he didn't play for the Cardinals the last time they played the 49ers so we really have no idea how he's going to be used against this defense um he has a solid role I mean his first game he had five targets and a touchdown last game he had four targets and caught all of them and had like eight points mm-hmm. so he's fairly reliable San Francisco is statistically a good defense um the uh, the Cardinals could be without Hopkins, could be without Agent Green. So, uh, I don't think you can take him out of that tight end one range. But, again, I, I just don't – there's not a whole lot of upside here. And, you know, the guys I have ahead of him, like Jared Cook has more upside. Tyler Conklin is a good matchup. Baltimore's bad against tight ends. Dan Arnold gets more volume. So, and then having him just ahead of Friermuth, who, you know, he Ertz has just been a little bit more consistent. So, I mean I could see Ertz having you know with with those guys out he could easily end up getting seven targets and being like tight end three on the week or he could they could just not use him in this week's game plan against the Niners because we have no idea what that's going to be and he could have like two catches so yeah it's it's uh again it's I feel like this is like the highest variance week of the season for Ertz um because he could he could be great, he could be fine or he could be bad. We really have no idea because he was not on this team the last time they played this opponent.
1: Yeah, and um they do have I mean um Fred Warner is a very good coverage linebacker so yes. that's also something to consider. Um very good if not the best coverage linebacker depending on who you ask. So um, all right, I think that'll do it, Walker. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, again, you can find Walker's ranks at uh, footballabsurdity.com. There's a weekly ranks button up at the top. Um, you can also find a pinned thread of all of our content this week, which includes Walker's ranks at the top of our Twitter page at fballabsurdity. Um, Walker is Big Daddy Dricks with an X, um, and also an unnamed burner. <laughs> and I am Jeff Crisco, K R I S K O. We will be back on Friday with mike valverde to talk um all of week nine and walker i forgot i need your take indy and jets who wins
0: uh the colts
1: yes easily all right thanks for listening everybody have a good one
0: Why, mike